Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. In the previous program, I was talking about Romans chapter 11, verses 6 and 7. In Romans chapter 11, verses 6 and 7, he talks about righteousness and that Israel was seeking after righteousness, but others received righteousness. Some, of course, who were members of Israel, but others who were not, who were members of the other nations known as the Gentiles. At the end of the previous program, I was explaining that the real issue is not righteousness, that that is not the real issue. Righteousness is not the goal. It is not a goal that people have. What they're normally after is the benefit of righteousness. People are pursuing righteousness for a reason. They don't just go for righteousness thinking, oh boy, here's an opportunity to be righteous. Well, what's the purpose of that? I mean, what's the real value of that? So you're righteous. So what? Who cares? There is a reason why people pursue righteousness. Now, Israel was pursuing righteousness because of the blessings that God offered if they would succeed in being righteous. He offered them blessings, lots of blessings. And, of course, all of these blessings are about the flesh. They have nothing to do with knowing God. They have nothing to do with having a relationship with a living God. People have pursued this according to their works for the longest time. And what he has said here in Romans chapter 11, verses 6 and 7, is that it is by grace, not by works. Now, the righteousness that comes by grace is given to people who are not interested in the blessings. They are not interested in the return on their effort of receiving his grace. They're looking to him for his mercy because they want to know who he is. So what they are trying to obtain is a relationship with their God. Righteousness to us who are children of God is a righteousness to obtain for the purpose of being able to have a relationship with our God regardless of what he gives or what he doesn't give, but just to have the opportunity to know who he is. So again, in Romans chapter 11, verse 6, it says, But if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. What then? What Israel is seeking it has not obtained, but those who were chosen obtained it, and the rest were hardened? Just as it is written, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes to see not, and ears to hear not, down to this very day. And David says, let their table become a snare and a trap, and a stumbling block and a retribution to them. Let their eyes be darkened to see not, and bend their backs forever. Yes, sure enough, down to this very day, as he says in verse 8, and David says in verse 9 that their table is going to become a snare, and a stumbling block, and a retribution. It has to do with what they are after. That's the stumbling block. For those who do not want to know God, but they want his stuff, yes, they can pursue righteousness, They can pursue it by works. They can even pursue it by grace. 
but they are not going to get what they think they're going to get. It doesn't work that way. Their eyes are going to be darkened. They are not going to see him, and they will bend their backs forever. In other words, they might bend their backs, bowing down to him, worshiping him, doing everything they can to make sure that they're right with God, and yet there will be nothing, absolutely nothing, in return. Not from the true and living God, because this is not what he's after. He is not after a people who want him for what he has to offer. He wants a people who want him for who he is, so that they might know him. And this has nothing to do with works, works of worship, works of righteousness. No matter how much you may bend your back, it is not what God is interested in. He has nothing to do with those things at all. Yes, he is offering righteousness, but not the righteousness that results in blessings in the flesh but the righteousness that results in blessings in the spirit, in the heart, so that we may know our God. Continuing in verse 11, this is Romans chapter 11, verse 11, it says, I say then, they did not stumble so as to fall, did they? May it never be. But by their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make them jealous. Now, if their transgression is riches for the world, and their failure is riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their fulfillment be? But I am speaking to you who are Gentiles inasmuch then as I am an apostle of Gentiles, I magnify my ministry. And then he continues into verse 14. But before that, I'd like to review verse 11 a little bit more closely, and that is where it says, I say then, they did not stumble so as to fall, did they? Well, they stumbled, yes. The people who rejected the Messiah when he came, the people in Israel, they rejected him. They rejected Jesus. And in that sense, they stumbled. Why? Because Jesus was not offering to them what they wanted. They wanted something else. And he was not there to give them what they wanted. He was there to give them what he wanted to give them. And those two things were totally different. That's why people rejected him, because they were not willing to take what he had to offer. They didn't want what he had to offer. Now, they refused to believe in Jesus, but just because they refused did not mean that they would never accept what he had to offer, perhaps later, maybe a few years later, they would embrace him for who he is. That's why he says they did not stumble so as to fall, did they? No, they may have stumbled. They may still be stumbling because they want something else from God than what he's really offering. That's true in many people's lives, but just because people are wrestling with these things doesn't mean that they are always going to wrestle with these things. Maybe someday some people will turn to him so that they can be reconciled to God, so that they can be saved, they can be resurrected, and they can be born again and begin to live in the life that he has called us to. Maybe that's going to happen. We have to allow for that. I believe that's why he says that the Israelites may still turn to him, and if they do, then this is a wonderful thing. Again, beginning in verse 12, Romans chapter 11, verse 12. Now, if their transgression is riches for the world, and their failure is riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their fulfillment be? But I am speaking to you who are Gentiles inasmuch 
Then, as I am an apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry. If somehow I might move to jealousy my fellow countrymen and save some of them. That's what he means by how much more will their fulfillment be in verse 12. In verse 15, for if their rejection is reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? If the first piece of dough is holy, the lump is also. And if the root is holy, the branches are too. But if some of the branches were broken off and you being a wild olive were grafted in among them and became partaker with them of the rich root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant toward the branches. But if you are arrogant, remember that it is not you who supports the root, but the root supports you. And then he goes on and talks more about the branches, which I will come back to later. But before I do that, I want to go back and talk about this idea of their rejection and then their reconciliation, that if they will believe, then they will be restored and have life from the dead. In verse 15, for if their rejection is reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? Just as the Gentiles were resurrected from the dead. They received life so that they were alive from the dead. So also the Israelites, the Jews, if they will believe, then they will receive resurrection as well. Now, what I want you to see is that the Israelites during the time of Jesus, predominantly the Jews, they rejected Jesus. And because of that, the gospel went out into the Gentile world. Now, the reason why he says this is not because the gospel could not have gone out into the world. It could have, but it would have been very difficult. And I believe that was clear, that that was easy to understand. If you were to consider the differences between the gospel that Paul was preaching and the gospel that was being communicated in Israel, especially in Jerusalem, there were some distinct differences between the people who were in Jerusalem and the Apostle Paul. And I want you to understand this. You see, in Jerusalem, the church still believed that a person was to live according to their works. I believe that. I have done a series of programs titled Faith Only or Faith and Works, where I talk about the differences between James and the Apostle Paul. I talk about Acts chapter 15, Galatians chapter 2, and other passages that are relevant to that discussion. It is my opinion, it's my belief that there were some differences concerning the two people, the two people groups. Paul, who was out in the Gentile world, and the others who were in the Israelite world. Now, those who were in the Israelite world, the church in Jerusalem, they were effectively teaching people that they needed to live a life according to the law. If you were to just simply take a look at Acts chapter 15 and realize that they're asking the question there, if a Gentile gets saved, do they have to be circumcised and live in obedience to the law of Moses? And the end of that discussion, the end of that public event, was the people, the elders, the apostles in Jerusalem saying, no, the Gentiles don't have to do that, but they did not follow through and say that the Jews do. That was implied. It was further implied because James reconciles the differences between the two by saying, listen, if anybody wants to hear about Moses, they can go to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. That's how he explained his position. And then he sent a letter saying, you Gentiles out there, we didn't send these men out to you. That's something that we may believe here, but we don't think that you need to abide by what they're saying. 
Now, this explanation is lengthy. It took me two hours to get through it, and so don't assume that these last two minutes where I mentioned this have anything to do with resolving the conflict relevant to Acts chapter 15 and Galatians chapter 2. You've got to listen to those programs. In this program, what I really want to say is that if the gospel stayed in Jerusalem and it was not sent out through the Apostle Paul, if that was the case then it's unlikely that the gospel would have gone very far. And the reason why is because there are not very many people who want to become Jews. There are some, of course, but there aren't very many. There are not very many people who are going to want to believe in Jesus so that they can live according to the law of Moses. That's just not going to be the case. There are people who do want that, but there's not a lot of people. And that would not go well in the Gentile world. That was already out in the Gentile world. There were synagogues all over the place. People were already being evangelized on that basis. What's the difference to say, believe in Jesus and then live according to the law? What's the difference? Why would you believe in Jesus or not? What does that have to do with anything? So you believe he's the Messiah and that he's coming back soon. What kind of addition is that to anything? It's nothing, absolutely nothing. And so if the Apostle Paul did not go out into the Gentile world, God would definitely have to find somebody else to do it because there was no one else around, apparently, who would be willing to do that because everybody else, for the most part, with some exceptions, of course, everybody else was there in Jerusalem with the gospel there and they were not aggressively going out into the Gentile world. Those who were had conflicts with the Apostle Paul because of the subject of works or grace. That's why I believe he says right here in Romans chapter 11 that the Israelites at that time, the Jews, had to reject salvation because if they didn't, then Jerusalem would have been the center of belief in the Messiah in addition to living in obedience to the Mosaic law, which would have been no different, really, than what was already in existence. The only difference would be the hope and expectation of what would happen in the future. But that is not what he saved us for. He did not save us for those reasons. He will certainly accomplish those things in the future, but he saved us so that we can begin to know him. And if we are still bound according to a system of law, the law of Moses or any law for that matter, if we are still bound trying to sustain our righteousness by our works, then it's not going to go anywhere. And so this is why I believe, this is why I believe the rejection of Jesus at that time in Israel was a blessing for the Gentiles. And then the message of Jesus came from the Gentiles back to Israel. The message came back a message of grace, a message of mercy, of forgiveness, and the value of that so that we could begin to have a relationship with our God. That came back, and then the Israelites then had an opportunity to embrace the true gospel if they were truly willing to embrace it. I believe this is what he's talking about. And so beginning again in verse 11, Romans chapter 11, verse 11, he says, I say then, they did not stumble so as to fall, did they? May it never be. But by their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make them jealous. Their stumbling, their transgression, was not believing in the grace of God. They were still believing in their works. It was their works that was their transgression. 
in verse 12. Now, if their transgression is riches for the world and their failure is riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their fulfillment be? Well, certainly, when a Jew recognizes the grace of God and turns away from their works, it does mean a lot. There is great rejoicing, especially when you consider the obstacles, the stumbling stones, the things that are in the way that keep a person from really embracing the grace that he has given to us. In verse 13, But I am speaking to you who are Gentiles inasmuch then as I am an apostle of Gentiles. I magnify my ministry. In verse 14, If somehow I might move to jealousy my fellow countrymen and save some of them, save some of them in the context of salvation, and also save some of them who have been saved but who are bound by their works. Now, does this always happen by jealousy? No, it generally doesn't. To be honest with you, I've found personally that uh, that for the most part, most of the Jews who I've encountered, they don't seem to be jealous concerning my faith. They don't. In most cases, they're offended by my faith. They're not jealous about my faith and my belief and my conviction at all. So it would be nice if people would be jealous and it would be to their advantage. But for the most part, I don't find that to be the case, at least not in my own personal life. Perhaps Paul did find that to be uh, something that happened in his ministry on occasion, but I personally cannot relate to this at all. And so when I express my faith to other people, I don't do that hoping, don't you like what I've got? Aren't you jealous? I don't do that under that basis. I find today that people are more consumed with their own personal fear and that their fear of what will happen in their family or what will happen in their job or what will happen in their relationships with other people who are a part of the synagogue or whatever they are doing, that that is what they're more concerned about. People don't leave their synagogue because they're jealous of what I have. I have known many Jews who have left their synagogues because of the witness and the testimony that I have shared with them. That happens all the time. That's not unusual, but they have to overcome their fear, not have an increase in jealousy. That's been my own personal experience, and so don't make the assumption that we have to make all the Jews really jealous, and then they're going to want to be like us. That's not what happens in general. Now, Paul believed that they could be jealous, and perhaps some of them were, and perhaps that was an effective means by which people could be saved back then, and perhaps in the future, or maybe even in some cases today. All I'm saying is is that this is not something I personally experience. But continuing in verse 15, For if their rejection is the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? And I believe that their rejection meant that the gospel would go out into the world and that God, through the Apostle Paul, could present the true gospel of reconciliation that would be distinct from what was being taught in the synagogue, so that the world would respond because they will respond, people will respond to the truth and they will be resurrected. Their acceptance will be life from the dead. In verse 16, if the first piece of dough is holy, the lump is also, and if the root is holy, the branches are too. I believe he's talking about Jesus being the root and being the dough and that if we are born again, if we are a new creation, then we will experience growth and maturity. But continuing into verse 17, But if some of the branches were broken off and you, being a wild 
olive were grafted in among them and became partaker with them of the rich root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant toward the branches, but if you are arrogant, remember that it is not you who supports the root, but the root supports you. Now, when he speaks of the branches, you have to identify all of the branches correctly and the root correctly as well. Let's start with the root, the vine. The root is Jesus. He is the root. He is the Messiah. He is the true vine. Now, there are branches that he refers to. First of all, there were the branches who were the people of Israel at the time when Jesus came, more specifically, the Jews. When the Jews rejected Jesus, they were broken off of that vine. God had a consistent ministry from the creation of humanity, the fall of humanity, to the reconciliation of humanity, to the resurrection of humanity. He had a consistent ministry, and that was to reconcile people to himself, and he has always been the root. He has always been the vine. Now, Israel had their purpose, had their role. The old covenant was in place, and the Lord used the people of Israel in order to answer the question of do we live according to the knowledge of good and evil or not. So they were definitely a part of him, a part of his ministry, a part of his work. But when the time came for him to say, this question has been resolved, no, you do not live according to your works. You do not live according to the knowledge of good and evil. When that question was finally resolved, and he offered the spirit of life that had been lost in Adam, so that people could be resurrected, there were many people who embraced that, but most of the people did not. Those who did not embrace the reconciliation and the salvation that he provided, they were broken off. And they have survived to this day, yes, but they have not been a part of the kingdom of heaven. Now, those people who were not a part of Israel, who believed the gospel, they were grafted in. They are branches who were resurrected and they were grafted into the vine. And today, people are branches who are resurrected and grafted into the vine. They are part of the root. They are part of the tree of life, of the tree of God. And they can be Gentiles or they can be Jews. The Jews were broken off at the point in history when they were confronted with the reality of their Messiah. And since then... They have had children. Generations have lived and died. And these generations were generations of people who were branches. But these branches were never really part of the root, not of the vine. Because their forefathers were broken off at the time when they were confronted with the reality of Jesus. So technically, there has been a division between the lost and the saved. And among the lost has been both the Jews and the Gentiles, and they are all broken branches. And by this time in history, now they're relatively the same. Relatively the same in the sense that they are living according to their works. They're not living according to faith. And most of the Jews today, especially, they have no knowledge of God. They have no knowledge of the scriptures. They have no knowledge of the law of Moses. They are not any different than a Gentile who never went to a synagogue, effectively. There are some Jews today who are very similar to the Jews 
during the time of Jesus when those Jews rejected Jesus. There are Jews today who are in a similar condition as those Jews back then concerning the way that they live, concerning what they believe, concerning what they know. And in a sense, yes, those branches could be grafted back in easier because they already know, if they would believe, then they would know the differences between law and grace, grace and mercy, works and faith and belief. They would be able to embrace that if they would recognize the implications of forgiveness and the freedom from the law, then yes, there are some who could embrace that today in the context that he presents. But for the most part, no. Today things are different, and people have to be grafted into the vine, and whether they are a Jew or a Gentile today, for the most part, it's the same struggle for each. I know this can be quite challenging, and that's because there is a difference between the religious Jew and the secular Jew. There are some differences, and depending upon where they are at in the world geographically, they may have different obstacles concerning belief and faith and trust. There are a lot of differences and a lot of variations, but I wanted to mention that because, first of all, it can be a false assumption to assume that the Jew today has any greater advantage over the Gentile when it comes to faith and resurrection and being made alive. It's not necessarily the case. Another thing that I would really like to mention is that when people are recognizing that they are a part of the true nation of Israel from a spiritual perspective, sometimes people assume that they are grafted into Israel in the sense of the Israel that was broken off, the Israel that rejected Jesus. They pursue Jewish things, Israelite things. They get involved in the festivals. They get involved in the rituals and in the practices that were established by rabbis who were trying to live in obedience to the commandments. And many of these things have evolved over the centuries to the extent where the way that people live today is very different compared to the way things were during the time of the Lord Jesus. And in a lot of ways, People are trying to live according to the modern rabbinical Judaism rather than the ancient rabbinical Judaism that people were living in accordance with during the time of the Lord Jesus, that there have been some significant evolutionary changes. But the problem is, is that people are trying to be grafted in to the broken branches, the branches that were broken off. They are still not living in dependency on the root. They are not living in dependency on the vine. According to the new covenant, they're assuming that they were grafted in to the broken branches to be a part of the old covenant, to the old things, the things that Jesus came to speak against because it was a stumbling stone. It was an obstacle that kept people from embracing the true grace of God. And so I just wanted to mention that in this context of Romans chapter 11, and I will continue in the next program. You've been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 383-53, Colorado Springs, Colorado. 80937 or use the donation link on our website livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net Thank you,